You're listening to Can I Say That, a project created by Brenna Blaine in hopes of engaging culture as Christians in a post-Christian world. Here, we hope to ask the questions we sometimes ponder, but rarely have a chance to ask in the church. Jesus said, he is the way and the truth and the life. So we hope we can engage truth together and in extension, know the eternal life he offers. Hey friends, welcome to season three of Can I Say That? I cannot believe that we are two years old already. Thank you so much to you who are listening, to everyone who has shared this podcast, who has left us kind reviews. It really is because of you guys that we have grown to the place that we are today and that we are motivated to continue asking these questions and having these conversations. So, I am really excited for today's episode. If you have been around any type of Christian media, you know that a lot of people, especially a lot of young people, maybe more or less Gen Z, millennials, are starting to say, hey, I don't want to identify as an American evangelical. And some of you have read the book Jesus and John Wayne or other books similar to that, and you can recognize why that might be a question. And then maybe you might be in a different place where you're saying, if evangelicalism means to simply spread the gospel of Christ, why would it ever be a question of whether or not we should identify as that? And so I personally think that there are very valid questions, let's say, on either side of that. And there are a lot of questions in the middle of both of those camps. And so today we are going to listen to Show Baraka who is an artist, he's a poet, he is a rapper, and he's also an author. And he has worked a lot recently with the AND campaign. And if you have not heard of the AND campaign, I would look them up. They have a wonderful podcast. They have wonderful social media. And what they are doing is they're really seeking out Christians and saying there has to be a better way. We can't say that all Christians are conservatives or all Christians are liberals. There has to be a better way that we can be united in the way that we interact with politics. And so because of all of those things, I was really interested in what show's opinion was on this current debate about American evangelicalism and whether or not it's on its way out. So before we get into this interview, I did have a goal for our second birthday and it was that we would reach 85 reviews on Apple Podcasts. And we are at 84 right now. So if you listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, which is just that little purple app, and you feel like sharing why you listen to our show, we would love to see that on there. Thank you again for all your kindness, your support, your encouragement, and for sticking with us through these difficult questions. We are so glad that you are here. So today we're talking about American evangelicalism, but I have to start with asking, what is the difference between just mainstream evangelicalism and American evangelicalism? Oh, well, this is a good question. I, I'm, <laughs> I don't know if I'm a, 
the right person to answer this question. I do think, you know, if you're looking at the origins of evangelicalism, it's been around for, I'm going to go and take a shot at that, I think a few centuries. However, David Bebbington is famous for labeling, or I guess you can say putting a definition on what evangelicals believed at one point in time. And there were four tenets. I, I, I don't know them off the top of my head, but it was like, you know, Christ's sufficiency for redemption through the cross. Uh, the idea of, I guess, sharing the faith with people. Uh, the other one was like social justice are just like doing justice to the gospel. And then the fourth one, I just can't think off at the top of my head. But I think over time, as Christianity in itself becomes or became, I guess you can say, um, taken into different into different parts of the country. You know, you can think of one significant mo- uh, movement or situation that caused the split was, you know, Jim Crow laws and the civil rights movement. So you have a forced, a forced segregation for people to adopt and to take an evangelicalism that they made their own versus others. And then in the seventies, you have somewhat more of the kind of like the, the hippie movement that took a, a piece of evangelicalism and made it their own. Um, and I think even today you see some of evangelicalism showing its ugly face in this, in the, in the, in the eyes of Although it's always been cloaked in some sort of, you know, white nationalism, it it now is is almost in some ways unashamedly holding on to it. And uh, well, not, not I don't think there's much different now than it was years ago. I think there was a moment of silence, I guess you can say, a where you, you seem to see that there were evangelicals who who since we're trying to either shame or distance themselves. Now I think there are large institutions who find themselves that they can't, they find themselves not being able to survive without being tethered in some way to that nationalistic posture, which I think is quite dangerous. And I'm not saying that these institutions or the people who lead them are racist or that they are white nationalists or white supremacists. However, what I am saying is they're doing everything in their power to not go to the furthest extent to distance themselves from some of the people who are those things. And when you're associated with everything that looks like white supremacy, white nationalism, uh, you know, you know the saying, it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, must be a duck. And so in a lot of ways, evangelicalism has become our different types of evangelicalism is, is kind of shown its head. And so my argument is that um, evangelicalism doesn't belong to one particular person or a particular group. It has many different, I guess you can say, di- demonstrations and, and dispositions. And so I'll just leave it at that. So I think you kind of just touched on it. But as a young person, a young millennial, I've noticed that in the last few years, especially in America, We've started to see a movement of people walking away from labeling themselves as evangelicals and wondering, why do you think this is taking place? Well, oftentimes when people feel like they've been associated to something and that thing that they were associated with does harm or is a mischaracterization of what they thought they were deeply in love with or invested in, then they, they figure out how do they, I think... Some people first try to figure out how to change or uh, correct the thing. And when they feel like they can't correct the thing or speak truth to power, then they abandon ship. 
And uh, I think what's happened is there are a lot of people who find themselves not only just walking away from evangelicalism, but trying to figure out what is Christianity altogether in the West. And so you have some folks who talk about decolonizing their faith. You have others who say they're deconstructing their faith. But at the end of the day, one of the things that I've learned is the more you read history, especially um, history uh, from people who aren't in what is either mainline or mainstream or white evangelicalism, and those are different categories, you'll find that evangelicalism had its roots or was prevalent in Black churches and Latino churches and Asian churches. Um, but there's a lot of history there. And to just say, well, now that it has this stain on it that I, you're going to take everything that we've kind of like built our identity on as a church, I think is a little bit short. It's, it's unfair. Um, it's a little short-sighted because anything or any person like, you know, I'm a black male who lives in America. Gang violence is, is rampant in many cities. And, but just because black men who are associated with gang violence go around killing people, doesn't mean I should stop calling myself a black man because I feel like that's a, a stain on my on my people. Um, and the same thing, if I want to, and I get to your real controversial, I think America has that stain. You know what I mean? As a nation, you can go to different places and people see America as violent, as domineering, especially depending on how you view the presidency in the last four years. I mean, people have their different perspectives on how people have viewed America. And my thought is like, well, I've I know my uncle, I mean, the uncles, my grandparents and my ancestors and the people who came before me who would associate racially and ethnic, ethnically with me have helped build this country. So I'm not going to just say that I'm not American or be ashamed to be an American because all I, I know America is more than what this particular group says America is. America is more than this particular individual. America is bigger than this particular president. And so for me to say I am ashamed of my Americanness, yeah, I would say there's a sense of you being disappointed in your representation, but you also understand that you are part of that and you have the ability to also demonstrate what is beautiful about the things you kind of, you, you represent. And so I would challenge millennials and younger, I mean, it's not just millennials, it's all people. I got friends older than me who are like, I, I'm abandoning the church. I'm abandoning evangelicalism. Some are saying they don't even want to be called Christians. And I would, I would say to them is like, at some point, labels are real. And it really doesn't matter what you call yourself. The reality, do you identify with a people who have similar ideas and belief with you? And no matter if you want to call yourself Christian or not, how do you make that thing beautiful? How do you make that thing glorious for the world to see and recognize that you have shortcomings as well? And so in your failings, how do you repair the things that you are the damage that you've done? And so for me, rather than just saying, I'm going to do away with the label evangelical, I'm saying I know people who have represented this label well, and I'm going to, I'm going to take it on and not allow a particular percentage of people to make me feel like I don't belong because I know what it, be, I know what it means. I know what, it, what the, its definition. And I feel like I, I associated with it, but I also bring more to it than that definition. I also bring more to it than, you know, et cetera. So I think that's a uh, kind of like my posture and my call to folks who are, but also people have the freedom and liberty and I don't look at them any less than if they do decide to, to remove that label. Uh, that's a decision that they've that they've made, and I and I recognize because 
it could be hard to, to walk around with that weight, if you will. So would you say you yourself then identify as an evangelical? I, I, I do, but I also recognize that I, there's a lot of uh, baggage that comes with that association. And so um, it, honestly, depending on who, who's asking me the question, um, will be will depend on how I answer the question, how how much caveats or you know the preamble I give before I give the answer. As a person of color, do you find that the term evangelical is mostly embraced by just white communities? No, I don't. It's it's embraced by a larger white community, yes, but it's not just embraced. I mean, I think there are large communities of Latinos, Blacks, and Asians who do consider themselves evangelical and proudly. And I think that's a good thing. Um, even those folks who hold that identity and find themselves in opposition to maybe the white evangelical church that supported a Trump or may be associated to um, anti-justice um, movements, if you will. How can we start to redeem the title of evangelical when we've seen that it's gotten so tied up in Christian nationalism? Yeah, I, you know, and so it, here's the thing that I don't want. I know I kind of defended and went in for a couple minutes. So I'm almost about to talk on the other side of my neck. <laughs> I don't feel like it's everybody's responsibility to have to redeem it. Um, if you feel compelled to abandon the label, I see no reason why you need to hold on to it. However, what I where I do challenge people is to not abandon Jesus, one, the fact that you are called to love people, two, and the fact that you are called to be a part of the community of believers, even those folks who you may not agree with all the time. And I think we live in this, this fantasy, or we live in this 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 I don't know this mirage that we assume that every agency that we connect to is going to hold on to everything that we like they'll hold the same beliefs and and positions that we have and that is a that's a that's a very immature and deficient ideology to hold on to so at the end of the day I would say you know there are some people who should not place their energy in trying to redeem the label. However, if you are interested, I would say learn history, like read history and know that there are, there are other people. Like for instance, when people talk to me about Christianity being a white man's religion and I say, how? I'm like, I'm like, how Sway? Like, you know, I'm like, Christianity was birthed in what many people would debate as North Africa and Israel and, and so in Asia. And so you think about this landmass that um, where it, where uh, where Christianity was was birthed and blossomed, there's no way possible that it was it's it can be considered a white man's religion. But then not only that, there's prevalent history of Christianity flourishing outside of Europe immediately after Christ's death, even during Christ's death, um, or during the time of his life and death. Um, but especially afterwards, but the problem is, is that the narratives that have dominated within our institutions have been those of Northern European Christian Christian growth. And so there is lots of history out there, if we're willing to learn it, if we're willing to dive into it, 
that shows that Christianity flourished in North Africa, it flourished in Asia and Syria and places like that. And so in the same sense, I'll tell the person who looks at evangelicalism sideways is like, yeah, I get it. But there's other there's history out there that proves that it's not just um, a, 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 a harbor for white nationalistic, you know, idioticy. I think it's I think it's clear. And once you know that, then you'll start to realize, oh, I can tell a different narrative. I can tell a different story and I can hold on to something historically that didn't that didn't. I mean, now, now, granted, let me say this, though. All all evangelicalism has its issues and has its problems, no matter where you go, go to the black church, you go to whatever church, you find issues in the church. So no church is perfect. So it only take a matter of a time for you to find <laughs> the the the, le- the leaks in the ceiling. So. But I would say, learn history, um, speak up loudly about the issues that you find prevalent in the world, but make sure that you tether that to the to the gospel and to the Bible and and do it in love and then be a new demonstration of what evangelicalism can be. I'm going to ask a controversial question, but that's what our entire show is about. How do you think that the Trump presidency affected the term, and just even the overall view of American evangelicals. Yeah, I think it, I think it was a little bit of what I said earlier is like, some of it is because even if the people who voted for Trump, powerful people, politicians themselves, and uh, institutions that backed Trump and a lot of his administration and a lot of the, the movements around Trump. So not just Trump, but like, some of the movements, even if they aren't racist or white supremacists themselves, they are closely, a lot of them are, a lot of them have been closely associated to white supremacy and they've not done a good job of distancing themselves. Not only just saying like, oh, white supremacy is bad, but distancing distancing themselves from the money, distancing themselves socially from the support and the power of these particular movements and groups. And the other way is because for the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years, when the right has been socially, uh, closely associated to, I guess you could say the moral majority, as they call it themselves, and saying that we are a party of morals and ethics to go and then put your weight behind an individual who has very little morals and ethics that sh- in his own personal life is a is basically a slap in the face and saying like to the people who've challenged you all along saying like you know what we weren't really about morals and ethics we we're really just about power and control and so a lot of times when people find themselves losing particular culture wars they'll shift or they'll move the finish line and uh and what we've seen is that there have been people who said it was moral things or moral reasons and the, the morality and the ethics and the character of an individual mattered, but then all of a sudden it didn't matter. Anymore. And so either be all the way stupid or don't be stupid at all. You know what I'm saying? And so for me, I get it. Like, I'm not saying the issues that some of these people wanted to fight for weren't legitimate, but what I'm saying is don't hide behind this pseudo morality and then all of a sudden say, no, it doesn't matter. We're really just going to put the person in place that we think is going to give us the best opportunity to win. My thing is like, though you're shifting the game plan, like all of a sudden, or you're shifting the goalpost, and I think that looks really, um, it looks disingenuous and inauthentic, and so therefore, that's one way that 
evangelicals have been, I guess you can say labeled and tarnished. The, the term evangelicalism has been tarnished when you have, what is it, 81% of a, of a particular movement of people who say that they voted for this individual when they claim to love Jesus, love these particular attributes. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I still love Jesus, but I don't care who we put in place. It's very much like Saul in the Bible when God tells him, don't, you don't want a king because the king is going to do all these things. And there's like, no, we want a king. And God tells Samuel, he says, look, they're not, they're not, it's not a, it's not an indictment on you, Samuel. It's an indictment on me because at the end of the day, they don't really want me to lord over them. They want a, a, a human idol to be that representation. And that's what evangelicals wanted. They wanted power and they felt like Donald Trump was the best option for them. Every time I've had conversations with people around this topic, it's interesting because there are some people who say, well, the term evangelical is so straightforward and it just means to evangelize, to be a people who evangelize. But then there are other people who say, no, it's so tied up in all these other things. So for those who are maybe asking the question, why does it matter if there are many different views of the term, I know what it does and doesn't mean to me in my own life. Why should we be aware of these different views and experiences when it comes to evangelicalism? I would say the same way and reason why we care about anything that has um, a diversity of representation. To go back to my example of a, being a Black man, I can't say that I am <laughs> the sole representation of all of what it means to be a Black man in America. Uh, there are different experiences, different expressions of what it means to be a Black man. And for me to say, no, I am the representation and this is what it means, and I go out and I do all of this stuff and I take this term with me, you know, there are going to be people who are like, nope, I'm not. And I've seen this. Like, I, you know, you got a lot of folks who uh, come from Africa or from Jamaica or the Caribbean who, who say they don't label, they don't identify as black. Like they won't identify as black because of whatever associations that social grouping comes with. And that's their pejorative, I mean, a uh, prerogative. And so, you know, fine. However, I also know that just because I say I'm a black man and this, it also kind of, <laughs> you know, it really grinds my gears. <laughs> Sometimes when I, I hear people talk about the black vote or the black church or the black community and it's the reality is, it's like, what is that? Like, cause I live in Atlanta and I can tell you about 15 different types of black communities. So it's just like, I mean, I get it. We need to create these generalizations just to conversation, the ease of conversation. But in reality, is we're more complex and more difficult and more layered than that. And so it's same sense. Evangelicalism has these definitions, but people make it its own iteration. And, and, I, and I get it, you know, but it's a diverse thing. And I don't think one person can wholly say this is what evangelicalism is in its root. This is the reason why you got different types of sex within Christianity or Islam and you know so hopefully that was a helpful yeah I think what I'm what I'm hearing you say is there's a lot of nuance to all these things and it matters it matters how we interact with people and and what their experience is because it also reflects on how they view God and how God has interacted in their life yes yeah so before we end I know you are involved in a lot of different 
things, not only when it comes to social and faith issues, but you're also an artist and an author as well. Can you share with us about your book that was just released and, you know, what is it about and why did you write it? Well, first, let me say, well, the book is entitled, He Saw That It Was Good. It will change your life because this is the best thing written since the Bible, (laughs) really. This is what I've been told. This is not me. This is other people. This is what other people have quoted me quoted saying so <laughs> but um no i um i've always wanted to write i just didn't know what i wanted to write most of my life i've always wanted to write fiction so initially i i started off wanting to write a novel but i thought the first book that i write probably shouldn't be a novel um let me dive into some nonfiction and i wanted to write not just about race not just about politics not just about art and creativity But I wanted to write a series of what I guess you can say essays that all kind of came together and touched on this idea of what is it? What does it mean to be someone who is concerned about the good and the welfare of others through the things that we do and create? And so as an artist, I'm always thinking about my art and how to engage people through my art. Is this art good for society? But also for people who aren't artists, I'm thinking like if you're an engineer, if you're a a physician, if you are a politician, you create things, you create laws, you create infrastructure, you create um, better citizens through your teaching if you're a teacher. And so you can either cause flourishing or detriment with your offerings, with your cultural product. And so everybody has a theology of work, they just don't know it yet. And so what I wanted to do is write a book that touches on the, that touches on, uh, you know, a theology of story, a theology of work. Why is justice important in both of those things? How is disagreement sometimes healthy and beneficial, but not the end all be all? Like it, it's not the end of the road. Like we can still figure out how to partner when people have different ideas on how to get things done. And so it's just different things, but I would say it's more like a amusing, if you will, of different or different anecdotes that I bring to the table, but trying to connect this through line of good work, good stories, and good justice. And so, but I also had a chance because of I wanted to write fiction to include short stories and parables in the work. So I think people will find it fun as well as informative. How can we find you on social media? On all my social media platforms, I am Amisho Baraka. So it's like Am I Show Baraka, A-M-I-S-H-O-B-A-R-A-K-A. Uh, my website is Barakaology dot com and uh yeah find me on these social media streets just you know being being a prophet and a poet well that's it for today's episode thanks for listening to the conversation brennan and i hope you found it both helpful and relevant if you have any questions or thoughts please feel free to reach out to us on instagram at can i say that show We almost always use Instagram stories to ask questions pertaining to the next episode leading up to the recording. So keep a lookout for such in case you have any burdening questions on that topic and for the opportunity to potentially have your questions asked. Either way, thanks again for listening. And as Paul said to the church in Thessalonica, test everything, hold fast what is true.